All right. Welcome, Sally. Thanks for being on the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast. Looking forward to getting to know you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you right now? Yeah, I am in my office in uh, Limble, North Carolina in the United States. It's in the northwest corner of North Carolina up in the mountains. And beautiful. yeah, it's beautiful. Actually, all of our leaves have fallen already. Oh, wow. So we're past fall and into winter here. Okay. And you actually get winter there, unlike some other parts. Oh, of we get like six to eight months of winter. Like yeah. it's a, it's final snow by May. So you're so. practically in Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like we already had a snow. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Wonderful. And so how long have you had your business? I know you've been in this line of work for quite a while, but I have. your own business doing this kind of on your own terms. How long have you been doing that? Yeah, since 2020, because, you know, 2020 was a great time to start a business, right? Um, you know, I was planned on starting in February of 2020 and was like, wow, things are really going south quick, um, but I actually just put it off for like six months. So I've had my own business for three years, going on four now. Nice. And so if you could give fempreneurs like a startup tip, something uh -huh. that really helped you kind of stay in the game at the beginning, what would that be? I'll give a couple of them. One is um, a friend of mine encouraged me to meet with one to two people per week, every week for as long as I could. And I still do that. Like I don't do it every week now. It's really more one, one to two per month, but always just asking people what they're up to. If somebody wants to talk to me, always do that. Really making connections. The second piece is um, I did some volunteer work, um, especially when COVID was happening and I wasn't able to kind of plug in. And so I was able to do some virtual volunteer work as a consultant. And that was super helpful for me because I was able to kind of give back to organizations, but then also kind of start to hear myself and be like, what are the things I'm saying over and over again? Or like, what are the, like the things that are exciting me about volunteer work and people typically would give you feedback after a session and things like that. So that was really helpful for me and kind of, kind of honing in on what I wanted to do. I love that. And I've noticed that you're, you've been on quite a few podcasts over the last mm -hmm. little while here. You engaged a podcast booker to help you with mm -hmm. that, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Was yeah. That, part of that strategy where you're like, I need to meet with one to two people. <laughs> so I'm going to use podcasting as a platform or how did that come to be part of your strategy? That's a great question. No one's asked me that before. <laughs> I will say that was just really kind of part of my marketing strategy this year because I knew I am like a total podcast geek. Like I've been in a podcast for, you know, gosh, probably 10 years. So so much that my family jokes, like I start every sentence with today I listen to on a podcast, you know, so but I didn't want to start my own podcast. It was not ready for that yet. So I was like, oh, I'd really like to be on some po podcasts, especially around kind of pay equity and really kind of building out my thought leadership there. That was kind of one of my goals for the this year was build out my thought leadership. So um, I'd heard of some podcast booking agencies. So I engaged one. And um, yeah, it's been really helpful for me this year. Great. Well, I'm really glad that you did that because that's how I have had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit and a lot more. So today I'm going to get lots of good info out of you. Um, you talk a lot about, like you said, pay equity. How did you kind of come to feel like that was your calling, um, that, that niche that you were meant to serve? Ooh, I'll try to sum this up. But, you know, I will say, you know, in, I've worked in human resources for the last 25 years. And so when you work in human resources, you automatically work in pay, right? And so I've worked in the corporate world where, you know, 
working with executives who are making outrageous amounts, you know, to like frontline people, you know, all the, you know, big corporations, things like that. Um, but really kind of in the last 10 years um, working, especially when we moved into rural North Carolina, really kind of hearing this myth of like, oh, it's so much cheaper to live here, you know, in this rural area versus living like in a big city. And then I'm kind of looking at like the, where I was working at the time, like the wages. And I'm like, gosh, I just don't think this matches up. Like, I, I don't think we're paying well enough. And so kind of some things converged in there. One is started really looking at cost of living where we were and was like, oh my gosh, it is so much more expensive to live here than even in some of the big cities. Um, just because of like transportation, uh, food, um, access to healthcare, housing, things like that. And then kind of at the same time, our, um, I was working at a nonprofit at the time and we got a huge endowment gift um, and they asked for the extra money to kind of be geared towards the employees. And so my boss at the time was like, what do you want to do? And so I got like this creative platform and I was like, I just don't want to kind of throw, you know, something jello at the wall and see what sticks. I want to be like methodical about it. So I was able to kind of pull that into, I was doing graduate school at the time. And so pull that into my thesis and do research around it. So now, you know, then 2020 happened and like everybody's talking about pay equity. So it was great, great timing. Um, so now it's just great because so many more people are interested in it and willing to have the conversation. Right. So um, I don't really come from the corporate world. I did work for a large corporation for three years and that's really the only experience I have. And it was not 100% pleasant. I'll just say mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so where are people... Um, like finding out about this and then what are they actually doing about this pay equity issue and like how do you get engaged and how do you actually help solve this problem in the work that you do that's like four questions but anyways. yeah it's okay we can talk about all of them i'm ready um i will say you know definitely people kind of come into the conversation in different ways one is like you're just an employee right and you're working a place and you're interested in pay equity and so um there's a lot actually a lot of information on TikTok about this. So people may be seeing that. And so that's kind of like an individual employee. And typically, you know, I'll just kind of say, you know, I encourage you to have conversations, things like that, because I'm really working more on the organization side. So people will come to me and say, hey, we need to redo our pay structures, or, you know, we think we have salary compression, or, you know, our people are saying they're not getting paid enough. And so I'll go in and then typically I start with a pay equity assessment, which is basically we look at all their data, try to see kind of what's happening between departments. Um, and typically I will also break that down by age, gender, um, race and ethnicity, intersectional identities, tenure, things like that. So we can kind of really get into some of the meat versus like the top level stuff. Um, and then really start conversations from there. Now, I can talk about what those are, but I want to pause there and make sure I captured everything on the front end of that. Yes. And I, and I, now I want to know what are those one or two most common things you find <laughs> when you dig in like that? What are those big issues that you're seeing, or maybe not big issues, but just common issues that you're seeing? Yeah. And now I kind of primarily work with small businesses and nonprofits. So um, typically one is like people are kind of in reactive mode about compensation, especially if they don't have many employees, they may not have things like salary bans or really clear definitions on pe how people progress in the organization. Because like when you're a small business, you know, think if you have like five to 20 people, you know, it's not 
super, you know, multiple levels for people to work through and things like that. So a lot of times we start talking about like, what does it mean for somebody to stay with your organization to grow? Can they grow in something besides going up? Can they go across? Can they grow, you know, deepen in responsibility, things like that. The other piece is really looking at kind of what their minimum pay is. So, um, you know, in the United States, I don't know about Canada, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics just just released their 2022 data this month that the average household income to meet basic necessities is needed to be $74,000 a year. And that's in U.S. dollars. So I don't know quite how that translates into Canadian. That's like 180,000 Canadian. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. So it's... um, so I work with organizations. I'm like, okay, here's the cost of living. Like you can argue whether it should be that or not, you know, whatever we can talk about that. And like, there are definitely places. So like I said, I live in North Carolina, so it's closer to like 55, whereas like Seattle, Washington, DC, New York, it's more like 95 to a hundred thousand. So there's definitely some differences, but we just kind of start talking about like, look, if you're really interested in diversity and inclusion and you're really interested in employing people from all these different walks of life, like you're limiting yourself right out of the gate if you can't pay a living or thriving wage. And so then it's kind of working with them to kind of get those to where they need to be, which is not always overnight because not every business has that kind of money. Right. Okay. Wow. That's heavy stuff that you do. (laughs) Heavy, fun. I mean, it's, yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely the organization has, it's a lot of like um, threading. It's like pulling, you know, kind of once you start pulling at pay, it's like a sweater because pay is attached to so much stuff, right? Yeah. It's a pay, it's attached to how like people get promoted. It's attached to recruiting. It's attached to benefits in that, you know, do you, are you spending more money on benefits than pay? I mean, like all these, so we end up having all kinds of conversations and it's different for every client. Okay. So you work with a lot of numbers in your line of work. Like you're, you're looking at a lot of data and. Yes. I was going to say, I don't know. Like, do I sound like a numbers person? I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I am seem like a numbers person, but I'm just thinking of, you know, looking at a spreadsheet of, you know, 25 names and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, all the things, right. Mm-hmm. The numbers, it's, it's columns mm-hmm. of numbers. And even, you know, how much money do we put into so-and-so's benefits every mm-hmm. year versus, you know, if it's a copay or like, I just, I'm, I'm also a financial consultant. So I work, oh, okay. so, I work yeah. you know, in finance as well. And so that's where my brain is kind of going right now. And that just mm-hmm. sounds like a very numbers intense, you know, career that you've chosen, which is, which is cool. I was just curious to know, um, after you have the conversations and do mm-hmm. the digging, how much time does it kind of take you to go through all the data and come to conclusions and present solutions and options and things like that? Is it a really long process? You know, it really depends on the client and kind of, as you're saying, the financial stuff, I mean, I do typically work very closely with the finance people yeah. <laughs> uh, in these organizations because they're trying to forecast, right? right? Like once we come to it. So Typically, like a pay equity assessment is like four to six weeks, depending on kind of how much money it is and how much, like how many, if you have 50 employees in 50 different locations, that might take a little bit different than if you have 50 employees in one location, because I'm having to kind of determine cost of living for those 50 things. But um, then from there, it's really 
following the lead of the client of where they are and where they want to be. I don't ever go in with the expectation that people are going to be like, this is amazing. We're going to fix all of this with our magic wand by the end of the week. Right. Um, so it's really trying to follow the client and be like, okay, where, you know, one is like where maybe the greatest pain points. Mm -hmm. So we, for instance, I had a client that we worked with when we did this data and we figured out that it was like, um, black women were leaving the organization and also had salary compression, which also lined up with their DEI data that What's they had. Um, I'm sorry, diversity, equity, inclusion, okay. which also lined up with like they had done a survey around diversity and inclusion in, you know, this segment of their employees were the most unsatisfied. So we were like, huh, that might be like a through line. Let's let's talk about that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and could it be related to pay, you know, and things like that. So, and then another group, you know, may just be like, okay, we want to increase our minimum salary and we're going to do that and make sure increase everybody all the, you know, all the way up at certain rates so that the people in the middle are not falling behind because we've raised entry-level people so much. So it really kind of depends on the client. I always encourage people. I'm like, just be curious. Don't be judgmental about the data. Let's just be curious. A lot of times you inherit situations. So, it, you know, it, it's all good. We'll figure it out together and we'll go forward. Right. And are you coming into this process with a team of your own, like people that work with you? Um, do you outsource some of the things or do you do everything yourself? All of the above. Um, I will say it just okay. depends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it depends on kind of how big the client situation is. I'm typically heavily involved in all of our pay equity projects because we do, we do other work as well. And I outsource, um, consultants and, you know, things like that for a lot of other projects and sometimes for the pay equity work as well, just depending on how big it is. Um, and depending on kind of the capacity of the client, because, if they don't have like a HR, because there's a lot of project management in this, as you can imagine on the finance side. Um, if they don't have the capacity, I may be having to put in more to help them kind of do the change management around it. Right. So what is um, one of your favorite things to do in your career? Like what's one of your favorites, like hats to wear or type of project mm -hmm. to work on? I will say I, it, this can be across like the different services I provide, but I love doing employee feedback sessions. Hmm. It is so much fun. Typically, like whether it's I'm doing strategic planning or pay equity or, you know, whatever, but just whenever I get to do employee sessions where I'm just getting to ask them different questions, sometimes it's focus groups, it's, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews. Obviously, I don't get to interact with them when we do a survey, but, you know, those things, it's because like, for instance, about pay, like when I'm asking people about pay, because they're like, gosh, I've never talked about this before. Like this is, mm -hmm. you know, like I've never really had a conversation with somebody about like the details of all of this. And so it's super fun to kind of hear people have these realizations and really kind of put things forward that they've maybe been thinking about in their minds, but have never kind of put into words before. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I'm always amazed by all the amazing people who work out there. Yeah. Yeah. Just meeting people and Mm -hmm. Right. Getting to know their story. And okay. Um, so my next question is, and I don't think you've really talked about this yet unless mm -hmm. I'm having a moment. Um, but I don't think you've really explained to us yet um, 
what that aha moment looked like for you when you were like, mm. I'm going to have my own business. I am mm. with 100% control of the clients mm-hmm. I take on with 100% control of the marketing of my own thing. Mm. Like when did you decide like I'm doing mm-hmm. the entrepreneur gig and as an HR person? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I wish I could tell you it was like this single second in time, right? Um, it definitely came over time. Um, over like a series of years, because I had been working in the field for a while, I went back and got my graduate degree when I was in my 40s. And so, um, which was exciting and stressful because I had kids at home and, you know, all this. And um, I will say kind of work, the way that program was set up is we were doing consulting gigs with each of our like major sessions. So hearing the feedback of my cohort and my professors and doing that work really gave me the confidence to go start my own business. Because I think I'd always thought about it before, but I just didn't really probably believe in myself enough to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can do this. And so that process really was like, okay, like kind of I'm getting towards, you know, the end of this program. It was right before the pandemic. And I was like, I think I'm ready. And like my partner and I kind of planned for a year about like kind of financially save and then at least a year of not making, you know, not really knowing money or even making any money in that first year. So we, we tried to be really intentional about it. Um, but that was kind of, that was like in, you know, I left my previous job in 2019, um, the end of 2019 and I was wrapping up grad school and was like, okay, I'm doing it. Rolling the dice. Let's do it. Right on. So when you did actually officially start your business, what were those first few steps? Like you said that you you definitely recommend that people get out there and, and talk to one or two new people a week. But what about the kind of business setup steps? What what did those look like? Yeah, um, you know what? This is when search engines are your friends. Um, and, you know, I mean, even like, of course, you have chat GPT and like all these like AI sources now. But I would just really just kind of be like, okay, what's a business plan? Um, to look and I would just kind of mark those things down. We have like small business offices here in the United States that you can go to for resources. And, you know, then I just started trying to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to like try this like as a product or sort like, what am I really going to do? You know, human resources is big. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to be the specialist in? Exactly. And like, what's kind of the niche, like I can kind of work myself into. And so, um, you know, that I did not have, I mean, I had clarity enough to move forward, but not perfect clarity. I tell everybody every year I've had this business, I get clearer and clearer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, just kind of looking at a plan and being like, okay, you know, what am I going to do for marketing? I decided I love to write. I don't, you know, I felt like at the time, like I was going to focus on LinkedIn because that was pretty easy. I was already out there. You know, you just said you love to write. Oh, I know. I'm totally going to buy it. (laughs) <laughs> I should have bought it before yesterday, right? Um, okay. To get it's the discount. But no, trust me, I'm going to follow up with you about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just like, what's, you know, trying to kind of build on my strengths of like, where can I market? Where can I, you know, do the things that kind of feel right for me and don't feel like inauthentic, you know? And so I tried to kind of lean into those things. And it was a lot of experimentation at first too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the website was not the first thing you did that did that come later or it was probably one of the first things I did. Yeah. 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 Um, And that was a total experiment. Like I had never, I mean, I had to create a website in grad school for a thesis project, but like that was like the first time I had 
created a website. So, and is this your first time being an entrepreneur or had you mm -hmm. owned your own business in the past? No. Okay. Cool. Yeah, this was it. I had done like a little bit of contract work in previous jobs, but it was not like set up as like a full on my own business. Okay, cool. And so take us like way back to Sally Loftus, little Sally Loftus. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see yourself as an entrepreneur? Did you have entrepreneurs in your life growing up, like parents or grandparents or? Yeah, I, I, I think I didn't have the language of entrepreneur, but I definitely thought I would do something on my own at some point. Um, I have um, my grandfather, who I, the one I never knew, actually was a huge entrepreneur. And I uh, was the first person to run a vending machine company in uh, Missouri. Yeah. And so, I mean, just, and there's, I always grew up with stories of like, you know, just kind of how he didn't then became like a steam train photographer. And then, you know, I mean, like oh. just all these like kind of different things. So I definitely have that. And then um, my father is definitely kind of was always like starting businesses. And so I kind of grew up working basically the office um, of many of his <laughs> businesses just because, you know, you're in the house, free labor, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I definitely had that as, um, you know, right in front of me growing up, but never thought like, oh, I'd have this like consulting firm. But I was like, you know, one day I'm going to do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now that you mentioned you love, you love to write, I have to ask mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So if you like had to write a book in the next two mm -hmm. weeks and you had mm -hmm. nothing but availability in your schedule mm -hmm. to do so, mm -hmm. do you know who it would be for and what kind of problem it would solve for those people? Mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us. I I was going to say, Lindsay, I'm not joking that I'm going to follow up with you. You've been on my list, but I'm not quite mm -hmm. ready. It's going to be like December. Um, yeah, it would totally be about pay equity. Um, I've really, the target audience would be for, you know, that's kind of an interesting one. Because like I said, there's multiple ways into it, right? Like you have the individual employee, you may have like the supervisor or somebody who, you know, like the HR person and then the senior leader, and they all have like decision-making responsibilities that are different in that. Mm -hmm. So I would probably, you know, kind of build it. I don't know. It probably wouldn't be for the individual employee, but it would be for the people who can change the structures right. within that. And it would be about just kind of introducing them to pay equity, helping them also understand pay transparency, and then really helping them understand how, how to do like a pay equity assessment, which I have like a, you know, free blog post that you can do for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of sharing examples of what I've done with clients yeah. um, and really in some way trying to build a community. I'm in the, pro I just have launched this month, the pay equity collective, which is a community site. Cause there's just not a lot of like information out there for people. And what I have found is that my clients that are most successful have built connections with other businesses mm. that they can just call and be like, yeah. we totally do not have this policy, right? <laughs> you know, or, you know, what are we like? We told like negotiating salary. I probably have 50% of my clients that negotiate salaries, 50% though. And I'm always like, I'm 50, 50, I don't know, whatever, you know? And so for them yeah. to be able to talk to another organization who maybe has a different policy or something like that and just, talk it out for like 45 minutes is so valuable. Yeah. So I would want to write a book that would create some kind of community around that. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Good for you. Look at you all fired up. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. So how can people get in touch with you? And do you work with Canadian clients or does it need to be corporations in the U.S.? Okay. I work with clients all over the world. Okay, cool. That's and I will awesome. say, you know, like from a pay, obviously I do more than pay equity, but like pay equity obviously looks different in every country too. Like I've yeah. worked with organizations in Africa, right? worked with organizations in Europe, you know? Um, okay. So yeah, I definitely, those conversations are all different based on what's going on there and the laws and stuff like that. Um, best way for people to contact me, um, several ways. One, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, just started the Loftus Partners Instagram, so at Loftus Partners. Yeah. And um, you can come to my website, loftuspartners.com. Mm -hmm. And I will definitely follow up this with some links because um, if you join the Pay Equity Collective by December 1st, you actually get put into a giveaway um, mm. to win a free membership because we're doing 12-month cohorts where organizations work together and with me to do pay equity for Ooh. the next, for 2024. So yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I love doing the work as a community to build yeah. those connections. And so, um, yeah, I would love for people to join the pay equity site. It's totally free. You just have to sign up for an account and I'll have resources out there too. What a great idea for entrepreneurs or, you know, so are these mostly business owners that are coming into the pay equity collective or are some of them like senior, you know, executives at, at companies that have the, the decision-making power, but not necessarily the owner of the company? All of the above. Okay. It's definitely a mixture of people. I have like consultants who are wanting to join just because okay. they want to like hear kind of what's going on because like the free site will be a place where people can post resources can have conversations can you know ask a question you know i'll have events on that as well um so it's really just kind of a place where people can find resources because there's not a place like that out there necessarily right now right. um that's not behind a paywall Right. And then the cohorts will be like a true, like we're working together six to 10 organizations at a time to do implementation. There's some one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. There's some group meetings. And then I'll also have a community of practice for people who have already done the implementation that they can kind of continue to build the relationships and kind of keep training the muscle of pay equity, maybe is what I'll say it. Um, together, you know, to kind of continue to work through the things, other things that come up. So when people come into the paid program that you have, mm -hmm. is that a certain number of months? Is it a year round mm -hmm. pay per month thing? How does that program work from like a structure? Yeah, it's going to start January, 2024. It's a 12 month process. I'm happy. I have a calendar that I can send to people if you message yeah. me. Um, yeah, that just basically talks through like, it's like six kind of community meetings. It's four one-on-one -on -one sessions with me and then two events where you can bring as many people from your organization as you want to these events. Smart. Um, thank you. That is a high compliment coming it. from you, Lindsay. I love that. Um, Everything about that is just fantastic. Yeah. Well, and then people have also the cohorts will have their own private sites in addition to the free one where they can kind of share resources 
um, and things like that. So I'm actually using Mighty Networks. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like I've a, heard of it, but I noticed your website is on Squarespace. So I was kind of yeah. wondering if you were using the membership feature in Squarespace, because that's something that I'm doing right now for the first time. And I'm helping some of my clients with that. How so do you like different. it? So far, so good. And you can, you could actually test it out for me. The website that I talk uh -huh. about over and over again in my book, yeah. Uh -huh. to help people do the techie things. Yeah. That's all hosted in the, the Squarespace membership. Okay. I'll have to look. Cause yeah. that was like rolling out right as like, I talked to some people I knew that were using, like somebody had used Coda, somebody had used Mighty Network, you know, and I just kind of looked at those and it seemed like Mighty Networks kind of had all the bang for the buck in the one place. Yeah. And Squarespace wasn't quite there yet with, yeah, it, it, I like, think it's a little more basic compared to some of these other programs that specialize in that, whereas they just yeah. have some of the, you know, capability, but not all of it. It's good yeah. enough for what I need it for. Like, I basically have a resources page with all the downloadable checklists and tools from oh, the book nice. that I talk about. Yeah. And then yeah. I also was able to embed videos right in there, but it's behind a paywall, but the paywall is free. You just have to like create your own login. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have their email addresses so I can send them, hey, I just changed this video for that one because that one, there's something changed in MailChimp now. Like just so I can stay in touch with people mm -hmm. and um, let them know that I am updating the the info in there. And yeah. then once you get inside the free version of it, there is an opportunity to upgrade to a paid um, like an author's collective. I didn't call it that, but that's oh, yeah. stealing I love word. that word. Yeah. I love that word too. Um, maybe I'll have to actually officially steal that word. So yeah, so yeah. it's, it's like a, a group where they can actually, it like, you're kind of like your group mm -hmm. interact and they can come to a monthly, uh, mastermind session thing. So yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'll just, I'll have to check in with you, see how it goes so far. Yeah. Like, cause I like mighty networks, like a lot of YouTube creators use it. And I kind of looked at a lot of those models to see, not that I'm necessarily at that level, but it was just, I really liked having a forum where people could be in a private space, but not, you know, anyways, people have been like, maybe we should have a Slack channel. And, and I was like, yeah. ah, I don't know. What if we have long. one thing that does right. all the things and yeah, not exactly. Of, I know I'm with you on that. I don't want a bunch of things. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, gosh, Slack felt a little unwieldy for that at that point. So yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, let me know how it goes. How it goes. Sure. So, yeah, perfect. I still am like Facebook. I'm a Facebook person. Like I use <laughs> Messenger yeah. group chat, so I have to be like personal oh. Facebook friends with all my ladies that oh, I meet. Yeah, sometimes they're a little weird. They're a little weird about it. They're like, I don't really want to be your Facebook friend. I'm like, well, <laughs> you have to be if you want to be in my group stuff because I do it in Facebook Messenger and like have group chats. You know? Yeah, you know <laughs> that's a great point. Why one of the reasons I wanted to use a um like a network kind of like the mighty networks thing, because I got off Facebook in 2016. Don't regret that. But, um, you know, yeah, it's a huge marketing tool, but I was like, I want to be able to have a space that, cause I had enough people who were like, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not yeah. on Instagram. I'm exactly. not on LinkedIn. I was like, I need like something that's not yes connected to these big tech. I mean, I guess not my, yeah, no, I agree. Like these big tech companies too. It's like your thing, right? Just yeah. like Squarespace. Like we can put whatever videos we want up there I and mean, we don't have to worry about anyone taking them down because they're in our program that we exactly. Own. Yeah. So that's cool exactly. that you're doing that. I'm not sure how the Squarespace membership site works when it comes to allowing members to interact with each other or if that's even mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. So that I'll have to explore. Yeah. And, and what I liked about Mighty, Net, again, 
I haven't done all this yet. And I think Squarespace has this now too. It's like you can create courses, mm-hmm. but like you can live stream out of Mighty yeah. Networks. You know, I mean, like it just, it has a lot of bells and whistles I've not used yet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's cool. I'm excited for you. That's fun. I love new technology. It can be such a rabbit hole, but it's still pretty fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm learning a whole lot. Yeah. Well, and that's great that you're getting out there on podcasts and you're spreading the word about this thing that you've created, this awesome opportunity um, for people who, yeah, like it's the value of getting together with others who have similar challenges to you, who are kind of in that same boat of needing the same kind of like, it's great to have someone like you, but it's also awesome. And sometimes even more valuable because when you have that network of people there, you're going to get at least one of them. Like if you pop into a chat and you're like, yo, I have this problem. And you know, if they're waiting for you, you're busy. You've got a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one of those people in the community can quickly just say, Oh, I just solved that problem last week. Here's what I did. And you're just sitting back, you know, with a glass of wine, watching this all go on, not having to say a damn thing. Like it's beautiful. Well, and I do feel like, I don't know about your experience, like, cause you do a lot of groups as well Is I feel like these kind of small learning groups, you know, situations are really like they're learning a uh, wave of the future. Maybe the wave has already passed, but you know, I mean, like it's really, people are looking for like a sense of belonging and community. Oh, yeah. And I think peer learning is so much more valuable because a lot, even like organizations I work with, they'll have learning management systems. Well, that's typically like individually you're going through training because a lot of people don't do face-to-face training anymore. So mm-hmm. being able to have a peer experience that's not paced, like I like the fact that like my peer groups, we usually meet every two weeks or every month. Like people can kind of absorb the information, you know, rather than like, okay, I'm going to learn everything and solve the world today, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It just feels, um, I guess more sustainable. It's the kind of change that doesn't happen too fast. It's like everyone can kind of baby step along with support. And anyways, I will let you get back to your very busy day. Um, thanks for letting us know about your new programs, about your awesome website with all the info. And, uh, is there anything else that's like time sensitive or any like freebies on your website or anything else we should let people know about? Well, I will just say if anybody just wants to kind of have a chat, you know, feel free to, you know, message me on um, Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm happy to send you my Calendly link and we can like hop on and, um, you know, just kind of talk about what's going on. I'm happy, you know, to make the connections again. I've told you multiple times, I love meeting new people and I love kind of hearing what people are doing because people are just fascinating. And so I'm always amazed when I have those conversations. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Sally. And thanks everyone for tuning in. You can find out more about me and the Fempreneur community at yycfempreneurs.com. All right. Bye for now. Bye.